You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. For sure. Amen. Thank you for being in God's house. And I don't want to take you to the book of 2 Corinthians. And we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. And we'll begin with just one verse of Scripture. Last week we covered six things we must know. And the title of the message was, Don't Be Ignorant. Don't be ignorant. Six things you must know. And uh, if you, how, many, how many missed that? If you did not catch that or get that or you didn't get the notes or you can go back always. That's a good thing now about being on live stream. You have no excuse to miss church. And all God's people said amen. 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 So you can catch it. You can catch up on that. Go back and hear that. It's the word of the the word of the Lord. And Paul six times admonished us not to be ignorant. And we talked about those six things. But there was another passage where he speaks about ignorance, but he doesn't admonish us not to be ignorant. He states that we are not ignorant of this issue. And so tonight we're going to look at that. And what we're going to look at is the subject of isolation. Isolation, the device of Satan, if we can. Isolation, the device of Satan. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and number 11. Let's read it together if we can. He says this, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. We are not ignorant of his devices. Can we go back one verse to verse 10, Sister Monica? All right. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgave also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. The context of this verse is given to us in this manner about restoring relationships and not allowing a rebuke to become fatal. Not allowing a rebuke to become fatal. And so Paul is talking about restoring relationships. And in the middle of that, right there, he puts this, this, this quote here. He says, don't let Satan get an advantage of us because we are not ignorant of his devices. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, the apostle Peter admonished us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Amen. Can you just take a moment? Let's just pause here and let's ask God's spirit to give us, amen, understanding and encouragement tonight. Can you pray with me right now. Lift your voice together. Lord, I thank you for your sacred and holy word. I thank you for the power that it has in our life. And I pray tonight in the name of Jesus Christ, God, that your word would accomplish its will in me, in my heart. Take hold of my mind and my spirit, Lord, and my soul tonight. And we give you the praise and the thanks and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. So we're looking at Satan's devices, if you will, Satan's devices. What Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians was the opportunity for someone to be offended, for someone to be hurt, for someone to go through something that would cause them to withdraw or to isolate themselves. And when they get isolated, they become an open prey for Satan. Isolation will destroy you. Isolation will kill you. If the enemy can get you isolated from the body of Christ, he's already won the battle. If he can get you to withdraw from the church, he's already won 
the battle. Amen. That's why it is so critical and so important how our relationships are in the body of Christ. And not only that, how we treat people in the body of Christ and how we treat newcomers to the body of Christ. Because when people come to Christ, they come hurting. They come desperate. They're looking for healing. They're looking for help. Some of them are like the woman that pressed her way through the crowd. If I can just touch the hem of his garments. Can I tell you, I don't know how many people I've met that said, I pulled into your parking lot, pastor, but I couldn't come in. Or people would say, I sat out there for a long time. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And just to step across that threshold was such a big move and a step. And when they get into the house, when they come in contact with the body of Christ, that's why it's so critical that we can't let envy and bitterness and jealousy and hatred to reach out because it will only cause them to withdraw all the more. Peter said this, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Brother Ryan, you alluded to it a few weeks ago. You were teaching here on Wednesday night, and I think you made a reference in your sermon, if I recall correctly. I watched it after the fact. I wasn't here. But you talked about how a lion will single out a, 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 a weak, the weak person in the pack or, or animal in the pack, and then it will, uh, or an injured individual or animal in the pack, and the lion will single them out. The pack of lions will try to separate them. And if they can just get them separated, then they've already won the battle. The Bible says that Satan, as a roaring lion, goes about seeking whom he may devour. If the enemy can get you isolated... He's going to give you every excuse. Can I tell you, in 2020 right now, we have every excuse in the book not to go to church. And and I'm not saying, I know we're in a pandemic, and I know we have immunocompromised individuals. I didn't even know that was a word until about six months ago. But we have all kinds of individuals. We have, I understand that. But I'm not just talking about the physical presence, but I'm talking about if he can get you isolated from the fellowship of the body of Christ, if he can get you to withdraw, amen, you become a target, amen, a defenseless target. But if there is a pack, if the church could rise up and say, "Uh uh-uh, we're not going to let you go. Come on, church. Amen. Can I tell you, it, it, it is the pastor's responsibility as the shepherd, but it ought not only be the pastor's responsibility to reach out to somebody and say, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not giving up on you like that. I'm not letting you walk away like that. No, you've got to be together in the fellowship of the body of Christ. Oh, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the enemy will single out and separate the weaker or the immature from the pack. It's Satan's tactic to separate us from the body. Hear me today. If you're at home watching online, if you're catching this later on, I understand when we have schedules and and, uh, schedules that we can't avoid. I do believe in putting God first and setting his schedule as a priority in our life. But sometimes there are things that we can't avoid and jobs and other things take us away and we can't can't be there. I get all that. I understand that. Don't, don't misunderstand me, but be careful that you're not only in this season catching church online because of the bigger reality of Satan trying to isolate you. And if you can't get out of the house, you better make sure that you are still connected to the body of Christ because we need one another. I can't live for God in isolation. I can't live for God by my Myself, but I must worship him and I must pray to him. Amen. With the understanding of community. 
Am I in the book? Did he not say when they said, teach us how to pray? He didn't say, pray my father, which art in heaven. He said, pray our father, which art in heaven. I can't even approach the praise room without understanding that I'm one of many that Christ died for love and saved. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 So the issue here that we're looking at is the issue about restoring relationship and about not allowing a rebuke to become fatal. Okay, so let's take a moment here. This is a Bible study. I'm preaching tonight, and this is just Bible study. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Got to calm down. (laughs) Amen. See, last week I had six points I was racing to get through. Tonight, you got it. That's it. (laughs) This is great. So let's go, if we will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 5 through 11. Now, uh, I'm reading devotionally this year through the New Living Translation, which I don't necessarily recommend, uh, but that's what I'm doing this year. So I am going to read this passage. I want to read this passage to you here so you can follow along. So they have, they'll have it on the screen for you or uh, uh, here you can see it. Here's what Paul says. Now this puts it just very plain so you can catch this. Because it, identi- it highlights some things. As we're dealing with this, Paul is highlighting some things that are very counterculture to our day today. He says this, I am not overstating it when I say that the man who caused all the trouble hurt all of you more than he hurt me. Now, okay, Paul is in his second letter, actually in his first letter, 1 Corinthians in our Bible, he actually acknowledged that he had already written them. And so this could be the third letter that he's actually writing to him. And this is the second time that Paul has identified a particular individual in the church. He's not just talking about issues in the church. He's talking about a particular individual in the church because the issue had been so big and so paramount. It had been such a massive issue in the church. If you ever think you've got church trouble, just go to the book of Corinthians and read that and you'll say, man, praise God, glory, hallelujah. I'm glad, glad to be a part of the church. Can I get an amen? So Paul, now if you go back just to the beginning of the chapter, which we won't do, Paul says, I'm careful to write to you because I don't want to grieve you. And he said, the reason why I don't want to grieve you is because if I grieve you, then I don't get encouragement from you and I don't want you to always be grieved with me. So he said, I I want to be careful. He said, but I do need to address this issue. And he said, I'm not overstating the fact that there was a man in the church that caused problems. He didn't just hurt you. He also affected me. Now let's put this in context of what this man was. If you go back to 1 Corinthians on your own time, chapter 5, you will see that the man in question that he's talking about here is a man who is having an immoral relationship with his stepmother, mother-in-law, whatever, that is an absolute abomination written about in the book of Leviticus. And so this was a big issue. It was gross immorality that had made its way into the church. Now let's not be foolish today in 2020, because in the Old Testament, when God took the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he takes them to the land of promise to Canaan, he tells them, when you go there, he said, the the people that are there, you are going to drive out. They're going to be gone. And he said, all of the issues he talked about that they were doing, there was a lot of things they were doing which were bad. Like one of them was some of them were actually sacrificing their own children. That is how low that they had gone down. But what he talked about consistently, constantly was the immorality, the sexual immorality that was so pervasive in the culture. And God was saying absolutely to his people, I've called you out and there is no room for this in the body of Christ. I've redeemed you from this. And so now we get to the New Testament in Corinth and Corinth was a city that was so vile. It had uh, uh, over on the far hillside, there was a temple to the goddess of Venus, the goddess of love. A lot of people have talked about that. They don't realize how vile, how lewd, how horrible that that was. Babylon was another culture that was absolutely uh, immoral in every way. A woman, a girl, a lady was not allowed legally to get married in Babylon until she had prostituted herself. That 
that was how bad and corrupt it was. Now, as we sit here and we wince at that and we shake our heads and we wonder how can culture get that bad? Well, here we are in 2020. Yes. And we have our head in the sand if we don't think that we are right back where humanity has always been. And it has been documented time and time and time again. And in fact, of the entire world, civilization, America, the United States of America has the worst statistics of family success of any country in the world. That's how far and how quick our nation has slipped. Now, I pray for our country. I love our country. I thank God for everybody that's fought the freedoms. But we are not going to escape the consequences of sin just because of an inscription we have on our coin, but we're not living it out in our life. So Paul is addressing sexual immorality in the church. It was something that they were dealing with. So this is a big issue. And what Paul says, now let's get back to hear what he's saying. He says this. He said, most of you, he said, opposed him, and that was punishment enough. Now, this is interesting because Paul is talking about in the church that there was gross immorality and the church opposed him. He, Paul, actually writes out and says, look, you've got to deal with this. You've got to address this. This is not permissible in the congregation of the Lord. You've got to address this. He said, let's go on. He said, most of you opposed him and that was punishment enough. Now, I want to pause here and say, Let's just pause here for a moment and say the church opposed the immorality and the person conducting the immorality. And Paul never said that was wrong. Paul was not saying it was wrong. It is not wrong to oppose certain sins and things that God clearly has renounced and denounced in his word. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. But look at what Paul says now, because this was a man who had repented, been baptized, filled with the spirit. This was a man who had come to know the knowledge and the power of God, but he had slipped, he had turned, he had fallen into something. And so Paul goes on and says, but now, however, it is time to forgive and Comfort. Hear me, church. Do we have a responsibility to speak out against sin? Absolutely, irrevocably, it's settled and established in the word. But Paul says, but then there's got to come a point where you are not content just to cast them out. When you see they've been injured, whether they are injured by the world or they're injured of their own doing, don't allow them to get isolated. I think far too long we've let backsliders walk out the back door and we've just let the door close and sat inside and prayed and never done anything to reach them. Can I tell you, the heart of God says, look, you've got to straighten up. If you're going to come, you've got to have your wedding garment on. God does not change the rules or the regulations or the qualifications or the path to life for anybody. But it is the responsibility of the church to reach for the lost, to reach for the hurting, to reach for those, amen, that are isolated from the fellowship of the body of Christ. Look at what he says. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. Could you imagine? Could you imagine being the worst sinner in church? And having to face that reality when you walk back into the house of God. Think about it with me. Seriously, let's think about that with with me for a moment. Imagine that you know you've done wrong, but you want to make it right. 
You want to make it right, but you know, you know, uh, 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 you know you did wrong. I'm going to tell you, there are so many ways and areas right there where the enemy can come to you. Brother, Brother Zarita, and the enemy can say, you're not good enough. The enemy can say, you're not welcome back there. The enemy can give all of these single reasons. But you know what? You know what flies in the face of every lie from the devil? You know, the devil, the Bible says he's the father of lies. Amen. And so as the enemy's lying, you know what goes in the face of lies? That's truth. When somebody says, hey, we miss you. Hey, we want to have you. Hey, you need to get back to the house of the Lord. Hey, we're ready. We want to help you. What can we do? How can I pray for you? How can I love you? Amen. We ought to make it. We ought to make it. Amen. Easy. Right? Yes. Yes. Am I in the book? Am I reading this right? Paul is saying, the worst sinner you've ever seen, now it's time to forgive him and comfort him. He's not going to find comfort in the world. He's not going to find comfort at the end of a bottle. He's not going to find comfort in the prostitution house. He's not going to find comfort in the prison, but it's up to you to comfort him. And he said, if you don't, he's going to be overcome by discouragement. Can I tell you, isolation is the device of Satan. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Can I tell you, there's still room at the cross. There's still room at the cross forever broken, trod down, despairing. Amen. Person that's failed God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 So he says, he goes on. Look what he says. So I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. He never said, go back and condone what he's done. He never said, go back and validate what he did. Don't, he never said, go back and make excuses. No, he never said that. He said, affirm your love for him. Go back, reaffirm your love, reaffirm your love. I'm going to tell you, one, you're going to have a problem reaffirming a love that you never expressed in the first place. The kid's wayward and lost. The prodigal said, look, I'll go back. He knew his father. He didn't even, he didn't even expect anything. He wasn't going back. But he said, I know I can go back to my father. He'll at least let me. He won't turn me away. I know there's enough love in him. If, I, if I'm just a servant, he'll, he'll at least let me do that. I'm wondering how many people like the woman just pressing through the crowd. If I can just touch the hem of his garments. I wonder how many people walk in and say, if I can just sneak in the door. If I can just sit on the back row. If I can just get up there. Amen. I'm going to tell you, we've got to have a love in the first place if we're ever going to reaffirm love. Oh, somebody say, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, God, not to be the cause of offense. Help me, Lord, never to have said something or, or expressed something or acted in such a way that somebody would think about coming back to God, but then thinking about how I may treat them, and that would be their hesitation. God, help me. God, forgive me, Lord. Allow me not to let somebody become isolated from the body of Christ. You know what this tells me that tells me amen that the church has more power than we realize come on it's time that we stop giving up the spiritual dead to hell it ain't over it's not through Christ hasn't returned yet there's still time and the word of God says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church hallelujah Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's time we got to reach through hell's gates and you got to pull them back out. And you can't make somebody live for God. You can't make somebody live for God. No, they've got to do that. But you can do everything you can to drag them to the altar. Drag them to the altar. You know, I used to hear testimonies all the time. Uh, my great-grandmother, I... I, I I knew her just in her last four years of life. I was four years old when she passed away, and she, I guess, was quite spunky. She prayed a lot of people through to the Holy Ghost 
I think because they realized that was the only way they were going to get out of there. <laughs> some, of you, some of you may know uh, Bishop Doug White. Used to preach a lot of youth meetings and camp meetings. His wife, Sister White, grew up in Indianapolis, and, and uh, her, her mother told me a few years ago, she said, I'll never forget Sister Mercer getting a hold of me when I came to church. <laughs> she got a hold of me. She said, when she got a hold of you, she wasn't leaving. She'd stay there till midnight until the Lord got a hold of you. Amen. You know, I, I, I don't know that we can force people. I'm not saying that. But there ought to be so much love. There ought to be so much support. There ought to be such a, a network that says, no, you've got every reason to make it. And if you don't make it, you're going to have to fight us to run away from God. You're going to have to fight us to get out of here because we're going to love you. We're going to keep on reaching. And this is what Paul says. Paul says, he says, so when you forgive, he said, I forgive. And when I forgive, I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven as the apostle, as the, as the founding pastor of the church of Corinth. He said, I do it with Christ's authority for your benefit. And he says, when this, is, when this issue is no more, it's no more. You may remember the issue. You may have a copy, old copy of the letter. You may still be reading it. But when he's in here, we for, it's under the blood. It's over. It's through. And he said, we've got to be careful lest Satan take advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices isolating isolation can i tell you relationships in the body of christ matter relationships in the body of christ matter i said this you cannot reaffirm your love for someone that you never expressed your love in the first place in Leviticus, Leviticus is so powerful. I've been reading through there this week. And Leviticus, last couple of weeks, Leviticus is very strong on healthy relationships. It addresses relationships so strong. Some are even punishable by death when you have an offense. But it addresses relationships between parents and, and spouses and children and parents. It addresses relationships and respect for the elderly. Not only those uh, that are of the Israelite tribe, natural born, but it also addresses right relationship with foreigners and those that are traveling through those... It's talking about having right, healthy relationships. And then you get to Leviticus chapter 19, and I want to highlight something for you just real quick, just in my passing, or just passing through here, because relationships matter in the body of Christ. Look at this in the New Living Translation. We'll go again. Leviticus 19, verses 17 and 18. Look at what he says. Do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. Confront people directly so you will not be held guilty for their sin. He's talking about there must be right relationships among the body of Christ. And then look at the very next verse. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself I am the Lord. What is he saying? He's saying, what's a fellow Israelite? A fellow Israelite is someone else that is in covenant relationship with God. Don't look at somebody else. If someone else is in covenant relationship with God, you can't pray our Father without acknowledging their place in the body of Christ. And God says, don't bear a grudge. God says, amen. Am I in the book here? He said, don't seek revenge, but let there be love. Amen. Let there be love. Can I tell you how you feel about another person in covenant with God matters. It matters. My good friend, Pastor Adam Solorio, tweeted uh, a few days ago back. It was August 6th uh, this month. Yeah, you can find it. I retweeted it. And he put a thread out there, and he put this quote. Actually, he had sent it to a text, and I said, you've got to tweet that, please, so I can retweet it. (laughs) Here's what he put. He said, Joseph's brothers hated him. So they stripped off the coat their father gave him. 
They had to remove what represented the favor of their father in order to hate them. In order to hate him, they had to remove the favor of the father. In order for you to hate somebody else in the body of Christ, you've got to devalue their relationship. You've got to discredit their worship. You've got to discredit their sacrifice. And he goes on and he said this. He said, when Jesus comes back, I better have as many brothers as he has sons. When he comes back, he's not just coming for me. He's coming back for every single one that's in covenant relationship. And if I'm saying, God, I don't count that as a brother, I'm going to be the one that's missing out. Hear me today. How you treat and how you love the body of Christ matters. Amen. Pastor, you don't know what they said. I'm going to take my glasses off so I can't see anybody. (laughs) Pastor, you don't know what they posted. You don't know. They didn't put me in their text group. Pastor, they didn't invite me. Come on. Some of the stuff that really messes with us can be so trivial at the end of the day. Yes, I know it can be hurtful. The spirit of envy, the spirit of hatred, the spirit of jealousy, it can cut and it can destroy. But can I tell you, it is a tactic and a lie of the devil that wants you to isolate. That's why when we come together in the house and we lift up holy hands and we praise God, amen, he said you leave your gift on the altar and you go make amends before you worship or else it does not matter. And I don't know about you, but I love to worship God too much to let somebody else's relationship impose on what God has for me. Hallelujah. Look at what he says. He said, don't seek revenge. Don't bear a grudge. Don't bear a grudge. Deal with it. Confront it. Let it go. Deal with it. He said, go to them. Talk about it so that you don't become guilty. Maybe they're doing something unaware. You need to go and talk to them. Do it. He said, go for the point of restoration. Jesus said both. Go talk to those that have ought against you. And he said, go talk to those that have sinned against you. He left no room, amen, for isolation and separation in the body. And in Leviticus, he ended it this way. He said, don't seek revenge and don't bear a grudge, but love your neighbor as yourself. Give the same grace you hope you get. Give the same mercy you hope you get. And here's the thing. Love always wins when it has the final say. Hallelujah. Love always wins when it has the final say. Oh, hear me somebody. And when love has been present and then a brother or a sister falls, it is so much easier to go back and reaffirm a love that they know may have been difficult in the first place because it was already there before. Help us, Holy Ghost. Come on, I'm helping somebody tonight. I'm helping somebody tonight. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're at home tonight. Maybe you're catching this later on on YouTube, but I'm helping somebody tonight. Can I tell you, your soul is worth more than anything else. Don't allow the enemy to isolate you. Don't allow the enemy to fool you into thinking. Come on, how many times have we seen people see it? I don't need to go to church. I got my Bible. I, I don't need to go to the house of God. I got my Bible. I, got, I, got my, I can pray at home. Yes, you can pray at home. Yes, you can read your word at home. But can I tell you, God moves through his body. God blesses through his body. And look at what we're talking about. Isolation right now is at an all-time high. Isolation, we're going to see fallout. We're already seeing fallout. Has anybody been paying attention to the stats of the mental health and the issues and all the stuff that's going on? Right now, we're already seeing fallout, desperation. You know how horrific it is. People are taking their their spouses. It's so tragic right now. People are taking their spouses to the hospital for routine things. They go in and all of a sudden they contract COVID and they're not allowed visitors. One lady, a pastor, told me, just yesterday morning at breakfast, one of the pastors shared a story. He said a lady just took her husband, dropped him off at ER. She was going to go park the car and go in. She did not realize yet that she couldn't go in. This was many weeks back. She walked up. They said she couldn't go in. 
Three weeks later, she never saw her husband again. The tragedy. The most tragic thing right now is people are living out their life in isolation. It's in that isolation where the spirit of fear can come in. Can I tell you, I know we're in a real, I'm not making light of it. I'm not making little of it. I'm not saying what we're doing and what we're trying to do. We, we don't even know what we're doing, folks. We're doing the best we can. We're not God. We didn't author this thing. We can't figure it out. Uh, but, but we're doing the best we can, and we ought to do that. But can I tell you, in the midst of this, isolation will destroy you. And it's at an all-time high, and we're seeing things happen. And folks, if that's just on the physical level, imagine how much it is on the spiritual level. Because there's people, the same people that live in cities and packed neighborhoods, they still go into work, they mask up, and they walk down the aisles of places, and they're there, but they're isolated. They drive past the churches, but they're isolated. They live next to neighbors, but they're isolated. Husbands and wives living in the same house, under the same roof, children in the same place, elders and seniors in the same quarters, but yet they're isolated. The enemy is cutting them off. Amen. If isolation and withdrawing was not a temptation, then Paul would not have admonished us as he did in the book of Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse 25, where he again is talking about provoking one another to love. We need one another, he says. We've got to motivate one another. We need one another to provoke one another. We've got to encourage one another to love and good works. And he follows that up by saying not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. What was Paul preaching against? He was preaching against isolation. He was talking against isolation. There has to be an assembling together of the body of Christ. Now, I know right now we're in a pandemic and we're limited. We have capacity limits. I know in other places there's churches only virtual and online. I understand the coming together. I understand the physical thing may look different. But I'm going to tell you in a spiritual way, there has to be a connection. There has to be a connection in the Holy Ghost. There has to be a coming together. I thank God that we have the ability. You know, you know, you can come together still. All they're saying is wear a mask and stay six feet apart. You can still drive to a neighbor's house. You can still go pray for somebody. You can still go encourage somebody. You can still show up. You can still come together. You can pick up the phone. You know how many times I've been blessed by some of you here in this local assembly that'll just call me and say, Pastor, I'm praying for you. Or, Pastor, I felt a burden for you and I was praying for this. Or, Pastor, I felt led for this. I'm going to tell you, I know how much that means to me. So I know how much it means to you when I can call or somebody else calls and encourage. I've had calls. I talk to people on a weekly basis, missionaries and ministers and people around the world. And sometimes it's over FaceTime and sometimes it's just through email and sometimes it's through the audio and sometimes it's the visual and sometimes it's zoom whatever but I know what it is to have that connection maybe we can't be physically there but don't let that be an excuse to have an isolation there's got to be an encouraging there's got to be a coming together can I tell you when you're born into the body of Christ you take on a new name and your citizenship is not of this world your family bloodline may be the same but now you are tapped in amen to a family, hallelujah, that knows no limit, that has no language barrier, that has no limitations. We are encouraged, amen. There has to be, he says, don't forsake the assembling together. Don't forsake the coming together. As this day approaches, the need is ever more critical. That's what he's saying. The day of the Lord is at hand. And the need is ever more. If we've ever needed to be together, it's now. If we ever needed a time to have church, it's now. If we ever needed to be together to pray with one another, it's now. How many love? I, I enjoy praying and I thank God. I, 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 I have a great time with God on my own in the word. Every day I have a great time on my own praying with the Lord. But I'm going to tell you, there's something beautiful when you come together. Amen. Last night here, thank you, what a wonderful prayer meeting we had here last night. What a beautiful presence of the Lord. Amen. Just the true, genuine spirit of the Lord. 
And I may not have talked to everybody and I may not have prayed for everybody, but I'm going to tell you there's something encouraging when I can hear somebody else's praise and I can hear somebody else's prayer. I may not even be able to make out what they're saying, but I can feel their spirit. And sometimes you catch it, there'll be somebody else's praise. Man, they're letting a praise and all of a sudden that praise, man, it's infectious in me. And then somebody else over here may be in travail and somebody else over here may be in intercession. Wow, that impacts me too. And there's an encouragement and there's a motivation. Amen. A motivation to love and to good works. And there's a renewing of faith. Can I tell you, we've got to come together. And when we come together, amen, we've got to be the church of the living God. We need the motivation of each other to live out the love of God and the testimony of God in our lives. I'm encouraged, Sister Brooks, when I see you. Because I know where the Lord brought you from. And you've shared me and you've told, and I know what God's doing in your life. It's just a blessing to come to the house of the Lord. I miss Mother Hurt because I know the life that she's lived. Oh, isn't it good to see people when you come into the house of the Lord and you see them and we could go on and we could name names and people. You here, man, just... Man, it's so good. I feel at home. You know that I feel more at home here and anywhere else I preach, anywhere else I could go as pastor, as preacher. I travel out now. Don't tell anybody this, but I travel out now and I preach and I just can't wait to get back to CTK to preach because this is home. You know why? Why is that, God? What was it? I, I know my burdens here. I know, I know my ministries here. I know the Lord did that. It was a spiritual thing. I get it, but I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. I know the testimony. I know the heart. I know the trial. I know the battles. I know the burdens. And there's no place I can walk in. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord really, really move as, as much, amen, as when you know the people and you know the good and the bad and the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows. And sometimes I know what it means for somebody. I, I see you. I know what it's like when you just come in and find the back row or the balcony or somewhere else. You're just here. I just got to be here. I know how hard it is to push through. And man, there's an encouragement. There's a motivation. It's what gets me up. It's what says, hey, I I may not feel like going to church, but I got to get back to the house of the Lord. Got to get together with the body of Christ. Isolation, isolation. I close with this. Isolation will destroy you. It will, it will be a quick way, a quick work, a quick work to you losing faith is isolation. A quick work. Man, if the enemy can sabotage your relationships, that's how he isolates us. He isolates us through relationships. If the enemy can come in and get you to think certain things, that's how he'll isolate isolate you. There's a book I enjoyed reading several years ago by Michael Zuckoff. He's a very, very good author, and he's written a lot of historical books. And one of the the books he, he... he wrote was called Frozen in Time. And it's about, it's about these men who go to, uh, well, it's twofold. It's telling the historical story and it's telling the modern day research or rescue attempt, if you will, uh, reclaiming attempt, I guess you could say, of going back to, I think it's in Iceland, where the only two National Guard uh, men had never been, their bodies had never been claimed and brought back for burial. The National Guard had only two men that they had never been able to bring back. There was a plane during World War II that went down in Iceland. They were traveling, cargo plane, the cargo plane went down. And they later found that plane. Uh, But when it landed there on the icebergs, there's massive crevasses these huge, massive crevasses, and and the snow would blow over. When the snow would blow over the crevasse, it would build these little land bridges, and sometimes the wind and the snow would blow over, and you'd be walking on what you thought was ground, and when human weight got on it, it would just give way, and they were gone. It was tragic. So the National Guard sent in these planes, and they were these duck planes they had where they could land in water, and they could get in close, and so they took the plane, they went up, and that plane ended up crashing, and those two men could not. Uh, actually, they never found those two men, so they were going back and looking for that plane. The original plane that went down, the cargo plane, those guys 
actually survived. It was incredible. And so the story's telling how the rescue attempt took place for the original and then how they went back. Good news, they actually went back. They found the plane. It was buried under 30-some feet of ice. They dug down. They actually brought the men back. This is back in, I think, 2000. This just happened a few years ago, 2000, maybe 12, 13, 14. I think the book came out in 2012, so it hadn't been very, very long. Within the last 10 years, and they brought the bodies back, and they were able to give them an honorable burial. But the original plane that went down, they were in the cargo plane. The plane split in half. There was about 12 of them in there. They didn't all make it, but I think about, if I'm remembering correctly, about five, five or six of them survived. Five or six or so of them survived. And there were these rescue planes that came in. That's what it was. The rescue planes were coming in, and they kept losing the rescue planes. They sent out, uh, they, the, the weather was too incredible. They couldn't fly in, so it ended up being sled dogs, I think, that actually rescued them in the later season. And they were just dropping supplies hoping, once they did find them, hoping that the men could get to them and those supplies would sustain them. But several of the men lost their lives trying to get to the supplies. When they finally found them, they dropped the supplies and the men lost their lives because they would go across these snow bridges and they would lose their life and it was tragic. And they figured out that the only way they could survive, they had the back part of the plane, one part had fallen off in a crevasse, the other part they had made a makeshift shelter, and the way they survived was that all of the guys would go out together. And they all would go, and there was six or so of them, and they would all tie off, and they would tie off about 20, 30 feet apart from each other. And they would march then together. That way, if one of them fell, there was the weight of enough of the others that none of them would fall to their death. And it was only when they learned to tie off to one another that they were able to navigate, that they were able to get over there, they were able to figure it out, because the only way to get there was they had to cross these icy snow bridges. And it was just, it was just a, a buyer's choice at whether or not this one was going to hold or that one was going to hold. The crevasses were too many and too, 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 too far for them to get around. That was the only way they could access the supplies. And the only way they could survive was tying off to one another. Can I tell you, Paul says, as we see the day approaching, he said, we are now nearing the end. It is more critical than ever that you have a network of the body of Christ that'll be there that will hold you up because inevitably there's going to be a day, there's going to be an experience, there's going to be something that's going to give way beneath you. There's going to be some time where the floor is going to fall out and you're going to say, God, I don't know how, I can't get out. You're going to fall to your sudden death, but being tied off is what's going to keep you. Can I tell you, I praise God for the prayers that brought me here. I thank God for the prayers that kept me here. I thank God for the people that prayed me through. I pray God for the people that prayed me out. I praise God for the people that were loving me. And can I tell you, we as the body of Christ cannot let one another fall into isolation. Stand together with me. Imagine a pandemic with no Facebook and no YouTube. Imagine a pandemic without cellular ability. Is it, is it the stuff of science fiction? Or will we or perhaps our children live to see the day when a world could be staged such as it is today and yet just a few explosions away and everything is shut down? No electricity, no communications. Do you know right now that we're depending so much on satellites that if those satellites went out, you know, I don't have to tell you, everything is gone. But what happens in that hour when you have to go through weeks and months and you can't find people, I'm going to tell you, you can't make it in isolation. You can't survive in isolation. We've got to love one another. We've got to hold on to one another. Spiritually, we need one another. Amen. Last night as we were praying, I referenced that at the beginning of the year, we came to this baptistry and to this altar, and we filled out post-it notes.
We covered the altar for post-it notes of names of backsliders and those that are lost that needed to pray through, that needed to find their way back home. We, we covered this baptistry with post-it notes of names that people that needed to be baptized in Jesus' name. We prayed and we fasted and we travailed. And we've seen a few of those prayers already answered. I praise God, but there's hundreds more to yes. come. And can I tell you, that's where we as the church, we've got to do our part. We got to pick up the phone. We've got to reach out and say, I refuse to let you die on your own. I refuse to let you live in isolation on your own because God loves you. Amen. Can we lift our hands toward heaven tonight? Come on, in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for your spirit. God, I thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love, God, that reaches for us. I thank you, Lord, for your truth that saves us. God, I pray today, Lord, that you would not allow us to ever become isolated. I pray, God, that you would fight against all of the lies and the spiritual things, God, that would separate us. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to tear down walls for those that have been lost, those that have gone out, those that have fallen away, God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, let the love of God have final say in our heart. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And God, we give you glory and we give you honor and we give you praise. Lord, I magnify your name. I magnify your name, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, somebody, can we praise God together tonight? Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. In the name of the Lord. Come on, some of you have lost loved ones. Come on, some of you, it's a son, a daughter, a spouse, a grandparent, a parent, a friend, a neighbor. God, in Jesus' name, save them, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace sing it again to him turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. I want to love the Lord. I want to stay in His body. And I want to love those, amen, whom God loves. Do you love the Word of God tonight? Amen. Aren't you thankful for the Word of God? Amen. Praise God for His Word tonight. God bless you. Thank you so much. So honored to have you with us. Thank you, church, for being here. I'm encouraged. Amen. Let's, let's go in the grace of God, and we'll see you all back this Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Don't forget, go to CTK O'Fallon, and be sure to uh, register there online. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.